Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and today we're going to be joined by Hannah and Kelty of Upbringing. They are two amazing twin sisters who help parents kind of figure out this respectful parenting thing with kiddos who are just wonderful, but sometimes spirited and a bit intense. And we've had Hannah and Kelty on a number of times here, both on the podcast and here on this page. And we're bringing them back in because as two siblings who live pretty much together and raise their two kiddos a piece together, their four kids together. They are experts in helping kids navigate the sticky situations that come along with siblings. So I'm so excited to have you here. Yay! 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 Yay. Good! How's it going? Hi, Hannah. Hi, Kelty. So good to see you. Great to see you. Happy to be here. It's good to see you too. I do want to let everybody know that I have a kiddo who's home with a cold today. My seven-year-old, Evie, she is currently eating lunch and listening to some stories that Alexa is telling her. So, But she did let me know that if she needed something, she might come in. So we'll just see what happens. My kids are out there somewhere too, so no worries. I'm sure there are enough of us here to keep talking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're good at that anyway. We we talk a lot, all three of us. So it's good. It's so nice to have you back. I feel like it's been a long time since we've um, been able to chat with each other. I know. We're happy to be here. I love talking about siblings. It's such Mm -hmm. a fun topic, too. And we're excited to hear your experience and your perspective on bringing a new sibling into the family. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a wild ride. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. What was it like for you all? So that's what we're doing. Just to frame our discussions, we're talking about um, kind of how we can ease that transition as we bring a new baby in. And even, you know, if you've already got new baby here, this will be a helpful discussion. But if you're in the place where you're thinking of growing your baby, I don't know about you all, but I did find that helping myself prepare and helping prepare my kiddo ahead of time was also really helpful. So yeah, what do you want to talk about today? What's feeling good? What's hitting you? I also just wanted to talk about how I think that what we're going to be bringing up through this can apply to any big transition in a kid or family's life. You know, I think about the structure of that we can approach it in terms of connecting with our kid and preparation and logistical stuff and connection and all of this stuff being great for like, if you're moving houses, which we're going through right now, visit a lot. Or if someone passes away in the family or is sick and struggling, mm-hmm. or if you're going to a new school or got a new daycare situation change up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this can apply to any transition in our lives now and as our kids age as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this. I love, you know, I was talking with Jen Lumenlon of Your Parenting Mojo about this just the other day about how important it is that we develop really good skills and processes. And that when we are parenting young children, it's actually the ideal time to start building those processes, those practices that we can kind of really get good at when they're young and they take us through the other ages as other big life transitions happen. I love that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think something you asked us, Laura, about, you know, our own experiences. And I think that something Kelty and I realized, you know, I had my daughter and like six months later, she had her daughter. And then two years later, I had my son or a year and a half later, I had my son. (laughs) And then six months later, she had her son. So we went from two to four in about six months. Basically, we had two babies and then we had four very fast. Mm -hmm. And I think something I realized was that we just don't talk about the challenges in growing our families. I think in our culture, Mm -hmm. we've try to offer a lot of support, which is understandable and wonderful to new parents and first time parents. Mm -hmm. But I think by the time that folks are expanding their family, everyone in the community, or even we ourselves can think, this isn't my first rodeo. I'm good to go. I'm fine. I already know how to deal with a baby. And I think that we can forget and not talk about and support parents enough and realizing that it is a huge change for our older kids, whether we have a toddler or a child or an adolescent, for us, for our partners, Mm -hmm for our family kind of dynamic and everything Mm -hmm. that's going on. And so that's why we love talking about this, not because we want to like scare people that it's going to (laughs) be terrible when they add to their family, but we just want to normalize the reality that challenges can happen and that's okay. And like Kelsey said, and you said, Laura, that this is an opportunity and an investment in building a process around a transition like this. Yeah. And it's not even that it's just okay. It's good. It's good that we have the chance to do these things, to do new things, to stretch ourselves and to grow. And that that growing, you know, can be painful at times. And that doesn't mean we're doing it wrong or that something's wrong with us. It just means that that's kind of just how life is. What were some of the growing pains that you experienced as your family was growing? My main growing pains were that my kids were really sensitive and spirited, even just as newborn babies. So it was a lot of crying, a lot of inability to be in the car without struggling, a lot of nervous system integration needed, like lots of swinging, lots of pacifying, lots of bouncing, all those things. So it just felt like a full-time job, even just keeping them regulated and Mm -hmm. calm. And that put a big stressor on on everyone because my daughter... Um, who was two at the time, was just really like on top of stuff, very demanding, knew exactly what she needed, was very particular, very uh, high emotional. And so it was a struggle in our kind of divide and conquer to be able to, no one could really take both kids at once for a really long time. And it it was really hard. I remember one time I just wanted to go to the store alone, which is really close. And so I left Hannah with my baby son and she was like, but come back soon. But seriously, like just like a five minute trip. And I was like, I will take the time that I need. (laughs) I will do it as quickly as I can. So I get to the store and I wanted to just message her about something like that I was going to buy and realized I'd left my phone and which was just like, she was going to be so mad that she couldn't even be in contact with me to like call and be like, he's screaming and he won't stop. And like, I had two kids of my own already. I'd been with babies, Mm -hmm. felt so comfortable, but Kelsey's babies were just had way different needs than mine did. So I Mm -hmm. couldn't even be supporting her that easily. And we like lived together and we're very helpful with one another. But I ended up asking this woman to borrow her phone and she was like so weirded out. Like, who's this person? I was like, I left my baby at home. I left with someone, with someone. someone. I left my phone (laughs) at home. Can I just call to check in really quick? And she was just kind of like, 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I can just imagine being in that situation. I would be like, yes, please use the phone. <laughs> I know, right? Well, and I, then for me, it was less of like the, the juggle of managing two babies' needs because mine were a little bit easier going. They slept a little bit more easily on their own. They traveled more easily. They right. played independently more easily. And so I think that that was the model that we had that then Kelty realized, wow, that's not her situation at all. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was more about, I had done so much of the parenting with my daughter who was two when my son was born that it was really hard for me to hand over a lot of those things to my partner. So that was my main struggle was all of a sudden he was doing things differently or she was struggling with the fact that he was doing them for her breakfast or bath or a bedtime or things like that. And I hadn't really prepared or transitioned as much as I maybe could have. That was my, my big struggle, I think. Yeah. You know, I think we do think we can kind of do it all or that things, we won't let things change us. We're so human, right? <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious about like, so you got to see four very different children in this very short amount of time with two different parents, two different families. I'm kind of curious about like, I could be wrong. I feel like being able to see that and seeing like, oh yeah, this is my situation. And it's not necessarily because I'm doing everything right because my sister's here doing pretty much the same things and she, she's in a different situation. Does that help with like being able to be compassionate with yourselves and like being graceful and often just kind of like living in a bubble of like, oh yeah, okay, we can be kind to ourselves. So we, there's not necessarily one right way to do this. There's lots of different kids that are come into this world. I don't know. Is that real oh, for you? Yeah. That was a, it was a huge awakening for us after my daughter was born and she was so different from Hannah's and then after my son was born and he was so different from, from Hannah's son. And I think that it would have been really easy for me to beat myself up seeing a lot of other parents having a, an easier time, having easier going babies, having happy babies and good sleepers when mine weren't. And to say, I'm obviously blowing it. Like I'm obviously a shitty mom. Or there's like, something wrong with your baby. There's something wrong with them. They're just bad babies. They're mad all the time, mm -hmm. right? It would be so easy to think that. And I think seeing Hannah doing things the exact same way with the same approach, with the same values and having that difference, you know, didn't make me necessarily feel jealous, though there were moments of that for sure. But, <laughs> but just appreciate my babies for who they were and see mm -hmm. those differences right out, out of the gates, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that helped us work with those differences mm -hmm. too. I think that we just could say, okay, this is just how Kelty's daughter is processing this new baby. It's coming in and standing by her during naps when she would put her son down and yelling or screaming or doing things because she just wanted that attention or and that connection or, you know, re rejecting Kelsey and preferring her partner and just saying, I can't handle you mom anymore, you know, which was so hard. But I think it really helped seeing that, that difference between us, just accept who we were as parents and who our kids were and babies were. And it helped me to look at Hannah and say, what would you do? And she's like, I, I'm out. I got nothing. Like you're doing great. I, I would do nothing differently. Can we just have just a moment just of like, oh, just like compassion for those young moms. I was in a similar situation with just like, I was doing everything I thought I knew what to do. And some of it just didn't work because I've got a differently wired oldest kid you know and yeah. my youngest came out into the world and was just I was like oh oh it wasn't me Whew, it, wasn't me. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just the the different wiring and that does I think it does let us see our kids more fully you know mm -hmm. when we're looking at like is there something wrong with me is there something wrong with them we're not in a place where we can accept 
them for who they truly are and then start adjusting ourselves and adjusting our environment to really communicate so much safety to them I, I you know that's something that I've learned with my nine-year-old oh just over the years is that she just has this nervous system that is very sensitive to feeling unsafe and whether it was her early experiences she had a pretty traumatic birth in a NICU stay that involves some maternal separation and there is some research on that 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 just can heighten a nervous system and it's just it's just there for her and and so we just we spend a lot of time in our family really cultivating safety in our home so that her nervous system can can be low like just not so turned on you know mm-hmm. and I don't think I love- Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. You don't think you would have say that again, Laura? Yeah. I just, I don't know that I, if I had it, another kid who showed me the difference, yeah. I don't know that I would have necessarily been so easily open to seeing like, oh, this is not my kid having a behavioral issue. This is my kid. This is how she's wired. And she just is mm-hmm. crying out for support and stability and safety, which most kids are, but like some mm-hmm. even more so, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mm-hmm. love that you bring up that, that, security topic and I think thinking about you know adding to our families or taking any other big transition in our lives I like that instead of taking our instinct goal which is like maybe harmony perfection (laughs) you know happiness all the Mm -hmm. time we can make our goal instead through these big transitions to be security to be connection Mm -hmm. to be learning and growing together and doing that is basically asks us to look at our, our, you know, toddlers and kids behaviors and, and big feelings and see those as, you know, a bid for that security, a bid for that connection, right? Yeah. Rather than and, being an obstacle to it. Oh, yes. And quite adaptive, like quite amazing and clever in how they go about getting those needs met. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we hear so much about, you know, the regressions, quote unquote, that happen, Mm. you know, which are basically just stress behaviors, right? Did did your kids go through any of those types of things? Was it the older one? Um, there was definitely some active playing of baby, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to play baby for sure. But we definitely went through a phase of toileting regression, but that was more of a holding issue, like a, mm-hmm. a holding control kind of period of time. Yes, that was definitely present in my younger daughter's first like three months when she was a three month old, my older daughter went through a a hard time. And of course that makes sense because there's, there's very few areas that a three-year-old has complete control over. Right. And Mm -hmm. when they know where they are and those are very understandable things that happen and they were definitely a clue that we needed to slow down as a family, that we needed more time for connection, um, that she needed quite a lot more, uh, you know, opportunities to feel empowered in our home. Things resolved pretty quickly after, you know, we made a few shifts and changes. That's great. I like that you bring up the word control, which I mean, for stressful transitions, whether it's a new baby or anything else, I think we naturally want to feel safe. So we seek to control. And so do our kids. That can happen as well. So what can they control in their environment or in their world or around their bodies? That's what they're going to do. And I think so much about this idea of how can we support our older siblings move through that transition a little bit better is saying instead of trying to control them, which it's really hard to control another human (laughs) being or toddler or, or child, let's find ways that we can control ourselves and support ourselves through this so that we can support them through that. 
And so Kelsey and I had three ideas. I don't know if you're ready yeah. to jump into those. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to tee you up on those. So perfect. Oh, great. Okay. Well, we, we've thought, gosh, it's three things that we wish we'd known mm -hmm. and that we discuss in our right from the start baby course in great length in the siblings module is saying, how can we support our kids? How can we work on our own approach rather than trying to change their behavior and their feeling? Mm -hmm. And we came up with three ideas, which is show, share, and love. Okay. So show, share, and love. Show, share, and love. So show is as in how can we be making changes and adapting their environment and their routine to help set them up and us up for success. And that might be, if we can, doing things a little bit earlier. So rather than waiting until the last minute when the baby comes and then everything changes, which is understandable that we before everything changes, we want nothing to change. But could we start some of those changes earlier? Mm. You know, And then uh, we can dive into that right now. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of it is, is considering what's going to change when the baby comes. Can we be trickling some of those things in slowly mm. to the routine? Like, is grandma going to start picking them up from daycare when the baby comes? okay, can she start like a few weeks earlier or once a week earlier to kind of acclimate our older kids mm -hmm. to that transition? Or will Papa be doing breakfast? I think a lot of people don't even think until the baby comes and they're like, oh, I can't wake up now. So you're going to have to do breakfast. And then that's one more big change on the older kids' plates. Mm -hmm. So can Papa start waking up and doing breakfast a little bit before, a couple days a week, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. So just planting some seeds and yeah, I think we bring up too, like getting a little bit, the baby's room set up or putting that crib next to our bed to kind of work visual cues into the environment. Like with this baby's coming, here's the stroller, get the car seat in the car. That's where they'll be next to you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Kelsey yeah. is really sensitive to, she's really sensitive to environmental changes. So like taking Christmas down is really stressful to her because she mm -hmm. wants it to stay up. So I remember how much it helped you to have a room set up to have the diaper changing stuff out the little trash can to be doing things with so she could kind of just conceptualize what was going to happen and experiment with that a little bit and participate with it before it was all piled on with a baby at the same time oh my oldest loves that too i mean gosh we spent a lot of times like doing diaper changes and doing uh -huh. bedtime in the baby's room while I was pregnant, yeah. you know, absolutely. She loved that having those, those cues that let her know something is happening. Yeah. I love that. I think one thing that I added in that helped our family that I knew was going to be important because of my history with play was having a very regular play practice, a, you know, a 10 minute kind of special time with her that was in purposely in a part of our day that wouldn't be challenged by the baby and that I protected once the baby came that we were able to kind of maintain so that we had those mm -hmm. that kind of that special playtime together that was something that kind of goes along in there building those things into the schedule and the rhythm and the fabric of your days. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. That's such a great addition. I love that Th thinking ahead. What's going to change, but also what do I want to make sure we keep the same? Yeah. <laughs> what can I protect and build into that time so that can feel stable? I love that. That, that felt really good to my older child who felt, I think, a little bit displaced to having time and space that was protected for her, like, mm -hmm. and almost even like overtly, this time is just mm -hmm. for you and me. Mm -hmm. You know, baby isn't allowed. Daddy's got baby mm -hmm. now. This one, mm -hmm. this part is just for me. Unless you want to invite her in. And most of the time she did not <laughs> want to. She wanted it just for us. Mm -hmm. That feels good to those kids. You know, that there's 
something that's still quite special. I think babies get made a lot of, you know, when they come into our lives. I don't know about these, you know, these past few years, it's probably been different bringing a new baby in just with COVID and everything. But I know that, you know, even when you're just out in the world, when you're with both of them, the baby is the one who gets the attention. You know, it's hard to feel special still sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the the older kids it kind of get demoted in a lot of ways. And so I, I like that idea too, of being able to think forward a little bit, like where are those situations going to be a little tricky? Like if I've always been on the floor playing with my child and I'm going to have to be maybe sitting on the couch nursing sometimes, mm-hmm. how am I going to do that? Or if I, I imagine I'm probably going to be wearing the baby a lot and carrying the baby a lot, how am I going to be picking up my child if we're walking to the park and just thinking through and preparing, not just our kids environment and routine, but thinking how is my environment and routine going to change a little bit so that I'm not taken aback by the logistical um, changes. And so we can prepare and collaborate with our kiddos too about those things. It's even, you know, even if we're, you know, our kiddos are too, when the new baby comes in, they're capable of some level of collaboration, right? Of working together, you know, Hey, when, when we go to the park and you know how sometimes you have a hard time leaving. And if we go to the park with baby, what are we going to do about that? You know, what are we, should we practice that a little bit? How we're going to manage that with baby sister here? You know, those are good things to have them practice only the skill of collaboration of problem solving together, but of where are the bumps in the road, you know, that we might bump into and how can we best support these kiddos during them? Totally. And I think that leads us right into number two, which is share. And how can we be musing with our kids and wondering with our kids about things that are going to impact them that are relevant to their life, like Mm -hmm. walking to the park and how that might be different or like dinners, how that might be different or, Mm -hmm. and just kind of wondering with them. So when baby's here, where are they going to be while you're doing this? Mm -hmm. Or hmm, when baby wants to, is ready to come and I go to the hospital, where will you be? Let's talk about that. Let's think about that and planting the seed. Mm -hmm. I like that idea that, I mean, the conversation about the baby isn't just one time with our older kids. It's Mm going to be over a lot of time. And even Mm -hmm. once the baby's there, we're going to keep talking. Mm -hmm. And I think that I like the idea, we call it share instead of tell, because sharing is is reciprocal and it goes both ways. And I think so much about the time, just like you said, it can be collaborative, Laura, Mm -hmm. with our kids when we're talking to them, it's because we heard something they said. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or saw something they did that was basically saying, I might want to know more, or I might want to explore mm-hmm. this with you and feel safe about it, mom or dad or caregiver. Mm-hmm. And so can we engage in that? Mm-hmm. So that can happen a lot of different ways, like uh, asking questions and getting curious. Mm-hmm. It can happen. Maybe if our, ch- our kids, my daughter was a little bit anxious when we would talk directly about the baby. And so mm-hmm. I found uh, more indirect ways. So like through symbolic mm-hmm. play, like using her little calico critters to talk about baby stuff. Mm-hmm. or looking at photos when she was a baby and talking about mm-hmm. babies and different things. We also created a little book, kind of a little booklet about any questions she had that came up or mm-hmm. little ideas or baby names or silly things. Mm-hmm. We co-created a book so that we could go back to the book and answer the questions or add mm-hmm. new ones. But it was something kind of tactile that wasn't just all these kind of words floating around and questions. It, mm-hmm. it kind of brought it down to earth. And I think that that book, like you said, Hannah, can be collaborative too. It can, it can be a little burn book for the older kids. (laughs) They can see that those baby names, they can cross them out. They can rip pages out. They can, it it can be truly collaborative. It's not like a beautiful album or something or scrapbook or something. It may not be your favorite keepsake down the line. We'll see. Maybe it will. 
Yeah. Oh, yes. Because they do have all the feels about being a sibling. You know, kids are, they are full human beings with access to the full range of human emotion and expression. And they, I mean, they feel it all. And they are very wisely don't try to box themselves into feeling one way or another. I feel like adults have so much to learn from kids, like pretty much all the time. But they're really good at the both and, you know, they're really good at just inhabiting like I hate her. And I love her all at the same time. You know, they're so good at that. I love that. Well, that brings us to the third topic, which is love. So it's saying, how can we not just say we love our, our toddlers and our kids, but how we can show that? How can we show mm-hmm. our, our love to them, especially not just when they're being a good little older brother or sister, but when they're struggling about being a bro- older brother or sister? I think that those are the moments that call us in. And I love that you mentioned, Laura, saying identifying that baby elephant in the room, so to speak, and saying it's okay to talk about that this is hard and to show that non-binary way of saying, you're struggling, I'm struggling, or you love the baby, but it's so but tricky having it here sometimes. We can, oh. we can hold both of those things, you know, and resist that urge like we talked about at the beginning of our call about saying, my goal is harmony and perfection, and they need to be best friends right away. And how dare you say that about the baby? How dare you hit the baby? Mm-hmm. Remembering that all of the stuff our kids are doing is, is stress and, and based mm-hmm. on their skills and development, right? Yeah, and very in the moment, right? Very, I mean, these little beings are becoming siblings at a time where they are naturally and developmentally appropriately self-focused and mm-hmm. and limited in their range of what they, how far they can project into the future too. And they're very in the moment, very literal. You know, they mean what they say as they feel it in the moment too, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that it's easy for us too to forget that a lot of those stress behaviors are about the baby. We work with a lot of people who are like, wow, they're upset about the baby. I can see that very easily because they're hitting the baby. They're saying, put the baby in the trash. They're saying, I won't go in the same room as the baby. They're saying, put the baby down. It's very obvious. And then a lot of other people are like, no, they love the baby, but they're just being a little jerk about everything else. And we're like, that means that they're struggling with the baby too. It's still about the baby. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good reminder to us in those moments to still be connecting with them about the challenges around the baby and normalizing the fact that things are hard or things are different mm-hmm. or uh, we're all struggling and feeling a little stress and trying to normalize and create safety, like you said, in that discomfort, in that juggle, in that struggle. Yeah. And I love that you're encouraging this like broadening out and seeing our kids in their, you know, in their developmental and their family context, right? So as a, as a family systems theorist, we, I always see kids as, as in the middle of a concentric circle of, you know, their, their family, you know, and then their environments. And, and when they're struggling, it's very rarely something to do with the child. We can't just look at the kiddo on its own. We need to be looking at the context that they're in and they might express overt love and affection for their child and still be struggling with the transition. Mm -hmm. And those two things can absolutely exist at the same time. How do you handle feelings that are negative and that like, who that moment where you hear them say the thing that you like don't want them to say, they're like harsh, I hate her, get rid of her, or they do the thing where that like evokes the mama bear within you for your little one and you almost forget that your other one is still quite little and still quite yours, you know, do you know what I mean? 
How do you no, handle those to say that, I mean, yeah, so much about this is remembering that even though we have a new baby, we still have other babies. They're just in bigger bodies, right? <laughs> and that we have to be honoring them and seeing their behaviors or their wild words, just like a cry, just like we would attend mm -hmm. to a baby's cry. We also want to attend to our, our older kids' wild words. And so, so much about it is finding ways to tell ourselves it's okay. We're safe. No one is getting hurt. They're doing their job. They're this is okay. Out. Right. Mm -hmm. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then to say to them, I think there can be such a breadth of response. And we love talking about response to sibling challenges based on our own capacity. Yeah. But I think the most yeah. basic is just trying to exude. Yes, I hear you. Mm -hmm. So sometimes mm -hmm. if we're afraid of what we're going to say, which is please don't say that, or that hurts my feelings, or that hurts baby, or that's rude, or mm -hmm. but you love them, or any of those things that basically tell our kids, don't no. feel that. <laughs> no. How can we at the very least just nod? Mm -hmm. Right? Just nod or say, okay, or thank you for sharing that, mm -hmm. or I hear you. Mm -hmm. And then if we're more comfortable, we can say, tell me more, right? What do you, mm -hmm. what, what do you think? We could translate a little bit depending on our kids' comfort in that. Like you sound frustrated that we had to wait to change their diaper before we left for the park. Right. So we're building awareness and we're offering words as long as we're not saying, you know, you're not actually, you don't hate them, you this. We're, we're just building context yeah. and creating again back to that security mm -hmm. of it's okay to struggle. It's okay to feel this way. Mm -hmm. You're safe here. You're home. And this relationship is a safe place for you to express yourself mm -hmm. the best way you know how right now. Yeah. I mean, that's what we all need, right? Yeah, it is. That's what we're all searching for. I think it's that level of authentic relationship and unconditional acceptance. That's what we're, we spend our lives in the search of so often because we didn't always have it at home, you know, growing mm -hmm. up. And what a gift that we can offer our kids that. Seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think that that as we're, as we're doing it, it's what makes it so challenging to offer that uh, like unconditional love and acceptance to our kids because we didn't get it. But it also becomes a reward for us and a healing process for us mm -hmm. being able to give that to our, our little kids who are struggling and imagining ourselves in their shoes in that moment that we didn't get. We could be giving it to them and ourselves in that same moment. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of you in, in this mm -hmm. move right now and thinking, <laughs> what do you need to hear? You know, we're going to get through this. This is hard. Mm -hmm. This is exciting mm -hmm. and it's hard. And we're going to get through this together. Like, what more do we really need, you know? And I love, Laura, that you, you brought up earlier on that idea of sectioning off time with your older daughter to make sure there's protected time for you to connect. And I think so often we think with our older kids, once we have a baby home, well, they're taken care of by other caregivers. The love is there. They know I love them. Mm -hmm. But I really like that idea in love is not just responding with, you know, loving limits and understanding and empathy and validation when our kids are struggling, but also saying, how can we also show them in moments that we're prioritizing them, yeah. right? That we can allow the baby to wait a minute while, you know, for their mm -hmm. diaper to get changed or to get picked up that we can show our older kid, you matter too, your needs matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, baby, I know you're waiting for me, but I have <laughs> to go see what my older child has done here with this art. Oh my gosh, that is so great. I know, baby, I'll be right with you. I really want to see, you know, her art project. Mm -hmm. So showing our kids in those ways can be really helpful too. I love that. I think it's so important that we give those things. And I think like, I know we're, we're talking about that transition to adding a new baby, but these 
feelings between siblings. I don't know. You, I forget how old your kids are now, but mine are nine and almost seven, and they don't go away. <laughs> they don't, like, <laughs> magically end. My kids are best friends. They spend almost all day when they're home playing together, and they still have those moments of of wonderful human conflict and internal conflict about how they feel about the other one deep despair about one not wanting to play and and deep annoyance you know just the the depth of feeling doesn't go away and so the sooner I think we can get get ready and get prepared to just welcome the waves of feeling that come as a part of being in a close intimate relationship that's just part of it that's every healthy relationship has that. But it's every like, no, but none of us knew that. None of us realized we think being in a good relationship means treating each other perfectly all the time and always being happy with each other. And it's like, no, that's like a neighborly relationship where you're not actually close and actually in deep relationship. Yeah. Relationships that are actually deep and growing, right, and thriving to meet people's needs is going to have the ups and downs mm-hmm. because that's how the growth happens. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not like despite being, you know, those things. It's like it's actually a necessary component is yeah. having that conflict. It's such a misconception. Yeah, right? our kids are five, six, seven, and eight, and they're oh, absolutely right. And yeah. there's so many different relationships within those four. Each of them has three other relationships, three relationships going. But I think too about like considering our approach in these early moments of what is sibling conflict with an infant and an older kid? Like that, that is the first conflict that they're, that they're having, even if it feels very one way. And I love this idea of practicing being that neutral supporting presence because it's going to keep going. It's going to be moving through all those ages and stages. Mm -hmm. So cool thinking about it so early. Yeah. Okay. So we're thinking about it early then. So for those uh, folks who are watching this and are in this place of either, you know, adding a new baby, they're welcoming a new one, they're growing their family. Tell us a little bit about what you have to support them. Because I know that there was very little out there to support me. There were books, there's, there's two like sibling books that get recommended the most. And one is for older siblings, like kids in the, you know, the middle kids, in the middle that I have, there's only really one good one for babies. So what do you have to support the parents who've got the littlest ones who have the new babies and the ones who are still quite little at home too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or who know parents who are welcoming a, a second yes. or yeah. fifth baby. I mean, we think about that a lot too. Like, I wish we'd just been supported or, or told instead of just like, oh, read this book, join this community, yeah. lots of modules. So much of, of the work that we did with Jen mm-hmm. Lumenland, who you mentioned earlier, we created the Right From The Start course to help support parents, whether mm-hmm. they're first-time parents or whether they're veteran parents, because everybody needs support, right? Now, again, we mentioned at the beginning, who knows what baby will arrive in your home and what kind of beautiful chemical reaction and magic making is going to happen with all the family as, as you're all being transformed through the transition. So a huge part of that was why we started the, the created the course. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a video course. It's self-paced. Mm-hmm. It's got nine modules that cover kind of all the baby things, right? So sleeping, feeding, play and movement, diapering, dressing, bathing, sibling relationships, feeling, big feelings and attachment, kind of all mm-hmm. of the, the realms of a, a baby's life and our time with them within that first year-ish. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's backed in scientific research and respectful parenting approach and is really focused not so much on getting things perfect or getting things right or doing things a certain way, but honestly reconditioning our brains and our beliefs to be thinking about what does it mean to be in relationship with a baby? What does it mean to be 
mm. a good parent and taking a lot of things off our job description that don't actually need to be there. And really thinking more about relationship with our baby and attunement to our baby and our baby's attunement to themselves and getting started on that process early before those kind of harder toddler years and, and challenging kid years, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit. I've been thinking about your course and, it, and it's kind of its position in a parent's kind of parenting education. And this is something too that I think is really important that we understand is that when we're invested in any other part of our lives, when it's really important to us, we go out and we get training and education. And for some reason with parenting, it feels like we're not supposed to do that. You know, invest in our, we're supposed to just magically know what we're doing. And that's just not reality. Like it's just not real. Any other really important thing in our life, we go out we and we invest in our own improvement, our own growth process, which is so important. But I was thinking about like the things that are offered to new parents. And so when it comes to something like a newborn care class, which I know are, is included by lots of wonderful doulas and in birthing centers and hospitals, what is different from what you teach in your class right from the start versus a, a, a traditional kind of newborn care class? Mm -hmm. I, I love that question. Mm -hmm. And I think so much of the resources out there for that support in that baby's first year is somewhat prescriptive. It's saying this is an ideal practice that you do to your baby so that they live and, it, you know, thrive. <laughs> yeah. um, so stay alive, you know, and this is the way you do it. And then I think so many of us realize that the typical things that were prescribed. So you did it like a through Kaiser Permanente baby course or something mm -hmm. like that. And we read a bunch oh, of books. I walked it out. They, it actually didn't work the same way when mm -hmm. you had a baby with a different temperament. Mm -hmm. Or maybe if you had multiple babies or, or older kids, how do those same practices, one size fits all, apply to your baby? And so mm -hmm. something that we really wanted to work into the course and create the course around was the idea of diversity and unique needs for parent and for baby and thinking mm -hmm. rather than be prescribing specific practices to do we can be offering parents ideas about how to see their baby and recognize what their baby's needs are mm -hmm. and then to see themselves and recognize their needs and then to innovate and find a way to meet all of those needs mm -hmm. so basic life relationship skills rather than so essentially working with a baby rather than just doing two in that way. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the more kind of generic uh, parenting uh, courses for newborn babies too are very wet, based in Western thinking and very white. And I think what I love about our course too is that Jen Lumaman brings in a lot of cultural context from other places in the world and says, look, this is how we, a lot of us do it here, especially for white privileged people, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's better, right? So mm -hmm. I feel like that's a really cool kind of element of the course as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, a lot of folks have asked us, they're like, are you, so you're prescribing co-sleeping? Are you prescribing, you know, breastfeeding only? And we're like, we're not prescribing anything. We're showing, you know, exploring the research, mm -hmm. saying what the options are so that folks can say, oh my gosh, I have an option. I thought I could only do it this way or that I only <sighs> should do it this way, but it's clearly not working for my baby or for me. So a lot of it's giving people permission to re-examine and then to re-approach caregiving and living with their baby in a way that really works uniquely for them and feels right to them. And do you think that these skills that you teach in this course, how to understand your child's need, what they're communicating, understand your own need, and then work together to figure out, right, how do we meet everybody's needs? Do you think that those skills translate later in childhood will set you up for success as you move into the toddler years and, and beyond? 
Absolutely. I mean, that's why we created this course, because we work primarily like you do, Laura, too, with parents of older kids, you know, toddlers to like adolescents. And a lot of those people are saying, I wish I'd known this stuff earlier. I wish I'd been practicing this way of interacting in relationship, this way of looking at my kids' underlying needs instead of just the behaviors, this way of, of functioning in a more kind of democratic um, needs-based way as opposed to a hierarchical way with my baby and been practicing since then. So that's part of a huge reason why we created the course, people to get going practicing those same things because it's all the same values. It's a, a lot of the same approaches mm -hmm. that you're going to be using in the toddler years and kids and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I, I don't really recommend anybody else's courses except for this, <laughs> except for you all, um, because this is the course that, like, I would, it, you made it how I would have made it, teaching them how to think through things and how to, like, I, there's this piece of, like, when we have this skill of learn, like, really being very good at seeing our child and very good at seeing ourselves and staying in this place of compassionate support for them and some compassionate support for us. We learn to trust ourselves as parents. All of the research on parenting and child development for parental self-efficacy is hugely important. And that comes not from someone telling you you're doing it right or telling you here's the right way to do it. It comes from within and really being able to trust yourself as your child's very best parent, the one that they were always meant to have. Oh, goosebumps, goosebumps. I love that. <laughs> that's, that's the name of the game is mm -hmm. saying, how can we learn to trust ourselves, which our cultural institutions say, look to experts, look to the outside world to inform your insides. Mm -hmm. And so much about this course is saying, no, we can, through raising a baby who can know themselves and advocate for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. We're learning how to know ourselves and advocate for ourselves too. And that's why we always say we're all growing up together and it really can be right from the start, mm -hmm. right? Identifying those needs and making that the basis of our relationship rather than practices from the outside mm -hmm. in. Yeah, I think that a lot of people confuse like parental instinct a little bit and think, well, I either have the parenting instinct or I don't. And I think that part of what the course does too is teases apart where is this instinct coming from? It's really conventional wisdom and our mm -hmm. cultural conditioning in a huge yeah. way. And mm -hmm. I think getting back to our, not just our instincts, but our inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that comes with questioning our instincts, lovingly with grace, questioning our own upbringing, questioning what we see and what we feel we need to do and the way that we need to show up. Mm -hmm. Questioning bit. our expectations about babies and what mm -hmm. they should or shouldn't be doing, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's that's the other thing that is pretty cool about the course is that there's the community element and aspect that is so saying there's no shame, there's no mm -hmm. blame, we're all just growing up together with our babies. We all have different values, generally speaking, different approaches, different culture that we're bringing into this dynamic. And we can all be supporting each other, going through similar things and different things. So mm -hmm. it's a circle community, which is kind of cool. And it goes through the eight weeks of the course where we're all kind of watching and it's still self-paced, the, the courses, but for those people who want to connect with other parents, which I wish I really had mm -hmm. had at the, at the beginning because we didn't know a lot of people who had kids at the time. So that's another aspect that we really enjoy. Yeah, it was, it's yeah. been a surprise, like huge benefit of, of it to us. I think I thought people would like type in little questions or hop on the calls, but so much, there's been so much investment from, from the circle community through it, from people all over the world mm -hmm. in totally different stages. Some people are expecting babies. Some people have a surrogate 
and they're expecting a baby. Some people are have five babies and they're doing the juggle. Some people are on their second baby. It's really interesting. Some people are just a caregiver, just a nanny or a mother-in-law mm-hmm. um, who want to be watching and learning mm-hmm. and attuning to this little baby in their life. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I love that. I think, you know, our human biology, the way that babies are made and the way that parents are made, built on the promise of a village. We're built on the promise of community and connection. We hear that, like, that we, oh, you need to build your village. But it's, it's a true, like, evolutionarily and, like, biological promise. We were, were meant to have it. We're hungry for it in a way that I just, you know, isn't, at least here in the Western world, just is not met very often. And so I, I so appreciate that space. There is a space too within this course to get your questions answered. Yeah, like a place where you can go and, and get live coaching from you or um, you all and Jen. Yeah, so the circle community is kind of you make your little profile and it's like being in a Facebook group. So people can make posts or reply to uh, questions we prompt based on the modules, like how's sleeping going? This week was the sleeping module. What's how's everyone struggling? What's working for you? What's not working? Or it can be just random questions or things that are coming up through your day or week. And then every other week we have a coaching call where as many people as, as they want through the through the group mm-hmm. can log on. They, some people have their screen off. Some people are on the move and on the go. Some people are lying in bed. Some people are nursing <laughs> a baby. Some people are sitting there with their partner watching like this. Mm-hmm. And that's the time when people can get their specific questions answered by the three of us. Mm-hmm. Or just watch and listen to other people's struggles whether it's with a baby, whether it's with their older child, whether it's with their mother-in-law, whether it's grief <laughs> of losing a family member or moving. We talk about everything. It's all connected. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's all connected. I love that. You know, coaching um, is one of my favorite things to do. Group coaching is one of my favorite things to do in my own courses and programs. And I know that you and Jen are all, all very talented at it. I think it's one of the most transformative things you can do to sit in a space and build a safe space where people can be vulnerable. And, you know, the cool thing about coaching is that you're, it's not advice giving. It's very different. It's, there's careful holding as you come to the answer from within, you know, it's, it's a beautiful process to get to witness, just, even if you don't participate in it, but even more transformative to get to experience it. Mm-hmm. I want to be coached by you. I know. I want to get in on one of your coaching <laughs> sessions, Laura. I want to be held by you. Oh, anytime, of course, okay. anytime. <laughs> I mean, and, but we do, you know, ultimately though, is that it, what you're teaching, I think in this course too, is not these skills are, that they would get to experience by being coached by you or that they are practicing and holding space for their kids. That's what we're hungry for, for ourselves. And, you know, it's available to us. We don't have to wait for anyone else to give it to us. We just need to build those skills and then, and then turn it inward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yeah. can be one step on the way of the, of not just like being a parent that you you know, feel proud of, but just in your own personal growth. And this could be the beginning point, taking a course like this or offering it to somebody, or this could be just one natural stage of like you've been doing therapy and then you've been working on stuff with your toddler. And now you're going back and working on things with your baby. Yeah. It's, it's so um, multidimensional. I think one concern that people have is like, do I deserve it? Or if I take this course, does it mean that I'm an insecure parent or I mm-hmm. don't have that mothering instinct or whatever it is? And we always say, no. It means that you're a good parent. It means that you care and you want to learn and you want to change and you want to grow and you want to be considering and conscientious of your approach. 
as, as you raise this little human and they raise you, you know? And I think too, that it's easy for a lot of, uh, a lot of us to think, okay, expenditures of this type are, are justifiable, but I'm not really struggling that bad. <laughs> you know, I can't justify this price. And I think you can, and you deserve it. And we have a huge sliding scale pricing model. Mm. So mm -hmm. depending on, on how you're doing, how your family's doing, how you're balancing everything. We don't turn anyone away. Yeah. yeah. For that reason. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. Oh, that's so good. And I, I do think we are reluctant to invest in something that we get the cultural message we're just supposed to be good at and we're just mm -hmm. supposed to know and how to do. And, and the, just the reality is, is that, okay, so maybe if we grew up in a context that was healthy and healed and whole in a world that was healthy, that would be true. You know, maybe if we grew up in a place where we saw healthy parenting, we experienced it ourselves, we, we saw it every day because mm -hmm. we were growing up with aunties and uncles all around us, you know, for, but most of the parents I work with, the very first child they ever held was their own, you know, mm -hmm. like, that's just not the reality that we're in. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, we're not in this healthy, whole, beautiful world that we, we deserve that the, you know, that we're hopefully raising kids who will create. Mm -hmm. I love so that. it's it's okay to admit. <laughs> totally, I feel like yeah. yeah, this is the work that we're doing to make it to get one step closer to that world, right? Mm -hmm. I think that the, the most amazing thing that we can show our babies and our kids is that we're not done yet. Is that we're in you know larger bodies, but we are still children inside, and we still need that care, and that we still want to learn, and we still want to grow, and that we want to grow in relationship to them vulnerably mm -hmm. through challenges, through struggles. And that's so much about what this course is saying. It's celebrating those challenges. It's not saying, don't talk about them. Here's what you need to do instead. It's saying, let's, let's laugh about it. Let's talk about let's it. Let's cry about let's it. Let's cry about yeah. it, right? And that modeling, our, our babies and our kids will, will experience, right? And then they go into the world. And that's how we break these inherited, these inherited cycles, right? Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And it doesn't end with the baby years. So building these skills early on, it's so helpful. And letting your kids see you grow and change and admitting to them when you you need help or support, it, it's just so powerful. My daughter is nine and a half. And I, I say to her often as we as we struggle to figure this thing out, sweetheart, I've never parented a nine-year-old and I've never <laughs> parented a nine-year-old Ellie before. You've got to help me out here. T show me what you need, you know, t like, and now she's old enough that she can. Those little babies, they communicate the only way that they know how, the only way that they can. But you can still be having that conversation, even if it feels very one way at first, you know, right from the very beginning, right from the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that so yeah, much we can do right from the start. And then yeah. also remember that it's never too late too, and that we can keep yeah. having that over time. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your gifts with the world and with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you too. It's always fun talking with you. Seriously, we could talk to you forever mm -hmm. also. And we're, we're so grateful that you're supporting this course and, Absolutely. Um, and sending it out to your folks. And if anyone has questions, they can I'm sure DM you, you have, I think we sent you our link to put in your, in your bio, yeah. so check out the sales page, right? All right. Well, thank you so much again for being here with us. And those of you who are interested in the course, check out the link in my bio. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.